rugby, and New Zealand. They're synonymous. Since the dawn of time, rugby has been woven into the national tapestry of New Zealand. At different points in time, it's captivated the national spotlight, and for better, or for worse, it often operates as the thermometer for the nation. See, it's an interesting sport, right? It's well known that the manifestation we see today came to New Zealand with colonization, however Māori were actually playing a similar ball game prior to that, which is said to have influenced New Zealand's current playing styles. But let me stop there before I get into my kai.com bag about analysing the historical context. You get the picture. Rugby is important. And in New Zealand, one team rules them all. One team has had consistent, sustained success for decades. Multi-Rugby World Cup winners, a winning streak that lasted over 2,900 days, one of New Zealand's most successful franchises, the Black Ferns. And they are the subject of today's coffee break. Wide to Lamu, he's got the bounce, he's handed off his opposite. Lamu! Who's changed wings and now Woodman into the backfield, Woodman, So in this episode, we want to dissect the unprecedented success of the Black Ferns, the 15-person game, and how despite a lack of funding, recognition, and a perceived lack of excitement, they've risen to the top of New Zealand's sporting pyramid. And the first comment we'll look at in an article is from Julie, who says, Women's rugby equals boring. It's a man's game. Now, this is a very common trope that you'll see against women's sports and rugby and just in general, that it's quote-unquote not as exciting as the man's game, whatever exciting actually means. But for Julie's sake, you know, for the integrity of the comment, let's have a go at defining excitement. Now, I'm no rugby expert, but I come up with a bit of a framework to look at how one could define excitement. So we'll look at three definitely not hand-picked characteristics to try and determine excitement, and those are the closeness of the playoff games, the total points scored, and the percentage of total points that were tries. And for this, we will compare the results of the 2017 Women's Rugby World Cup with that of the 2019's Men's Rugby World Cup. And I just want to state, we don't actually need to ever compare women's sports with men's sports, they're two separate entities, but as you'll realise through the comments that we have picked, it is a comparison that people love to make. So without further ado, let's get into it. Firstly, let's have a look at points scored. In the 2017 Women's Rugby World Cup, there were 51.6 points scored per game across the 30 games in the World Cup, compared to 48.8 points per game across the 45 games at the Men's Rugby World Cup. So just under three points was the difference, but that's all we need. That's one nil to the women's game as more points were scored per game. Chalk that one up. Now, secondly, looking at the closeness of the playoff games. Across the four playoff games during the latest Women's Rugby World Cup, the four games being two semi-finals, a final, and a third and fourth placed game, there was a point differential of 67, so the average difference between the winning team and the losing team was 16.75 points. Now, in the men's game, the difference was 58, or 14.5 points per game, and theoretically, if a game is closer, it is more exciting. If a team goes up 50-0 within the first 10 minutes, you might think this is going to be boring because you know the result, and that's why this was included. So, chalk one up for the men. Yep, let's do it. All fair. 
1-1. Now finally, the percentage of total points that were tries. Now most people agree that when teams are kicking penalties all day, it's not necessarily that exciting. It's a brand of rugby that English teams have implemented and it has led to victories, but I think even Marie Kondo would agree that tries are what truly sparks joy. So looking at the Women's Rugby World Cup, there were 247 tries scored across the 30 games. That equals 1,549 points. Now at the Men's World Cup, there were 285 tries scored across the 45 games, total points equaling 2,196. So running those numbers at the most recent Men's Rugby World Cup, 65% of the total points came from tries. Now the women's game, 80% of points were tries. So theoretically, tries being more exciting there were a higher percentage of tries scored so that is 2-1 to the women's game women's rugby wins apologies julie and look 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 now this is just isolating the on-field product as well you could look into a number of sociological issues that kind of run in parallel to the situation at hand one in particular relates specifically to the comment from Julie. The amount of research looking into female sports fans of female sports is minimal in comparison to female sports fans of male sports, male sports fans of male sports, etc, etc. Sport has mostly been packaged up in a way that caters to the male gaze and the male audience, and to ignore that fact wouldn't be fair. The product of men's rugby is a fine-tuned machine. Marketers know exactly what we want to see. Now the same can't be said for women's rugby just because of the lack of research. But in any case, if Julie finds women's rugby boring, she would have definitely found this episode boring, so nonetheless, I digress. 2-1 to the women, let's move on to the next comment from Teresa. They deserve Team of the Year at the Sports Awards when they come up. Congratulations, you've made yourselves proud, as well as every single New Zealander, well done ladies, well done. Now for those who aren't aware, in New Zealand we have the Halberg Awards and they are New Zealand's preeminent event to honour and celebrate New Zealand sporting success. And at the highest peak of the Halberg Awards, there is the Supreme Award. Now to be eligible, you need to have won the relevant Sportsman, Sportswoman, Team of the Year or Disabled Sportsperson of the Year Award. Since its introduction, there have been 68 Supreme Award winners. Now if I wanted to look at the number of times that Black Ferns had won the Supreme Award, this episode would be very short as that answer is zero. So for this analysis, I just wanted to take a holistic look at the rates with which male or female athletes won the award. Not only to shed light against the lack of critical acclaim the Black Ferns have received for their immense success, but just to paint a broader picture of how the plight of the Blackfins not receiving the accolades they deserve can be seen against other female athletes. And for the 68 years that the Supreme Award has been given, I split it up into 20-year segments for the statistical analysis. So between 1949 and 1960, 75% of the awards went to men and 25% went to women. Moving forward to 1980, between 1981 and the year 2000, 60% of the awards went to men and 40% to women, and now between 2001 and 2019, 47% of awards went to men and 53% went to women. So as you can see, the disparity is getting lower and lower, and the awards are kind of evening out in terms of the male athletes versus the female athletes. So happy days. But for those keen listeners, you would have realized that I did not state the percentage between 1961 and 1980. And for good reason. Let's take a closer look. 
Welcome to Who Wants to Receive a Good Morning, which is formerly known as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You have one question between yourself and receiving a big old good morning from the Unpack hosts. The question at hand. What percentage of Supreme Halberg Awards went to women between 1963 and 1980? Was it A, 25%, B, 0%, C, 40%, or D, 15%? So if you wish, pause the episode, have a think, and we'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. Before the break, we left you with four options. A, 25%, B, 0%, C, 40%, and D, 15%. And the final answer. The correct answer is, unfortunately, B, 0. And that's right. 0% of the Supreme Awards went to female athletes between 1963 and 1980. Now looking at that time period, the New Zealand men's rowing eight won it in back-to-back years. John Walker won it twice, and then there's a mix of athletics and motorsport athletes that run the rest of the awards. And this is not to take away from any of those athletes. I'm sure they are elite in their field and have represented New Zealand with pride. However, it is more commentary on the fact that we do not believe that during that 17 year period a woman's achievement apparently in the sporting sphere wasn't worthy enough of winning the supreme awards for me for the rest of the team that is simply unbelievable and going back to the original comment i agree with it the black ferns have made new zealanders very very proud for a number of years and given all their success i feel are overdue recognition at the highest level. Now moving on to the next comment. Now this comment is in response to an article where more coverage is required for women's rugby. And Jody comments, are we never happy? Gosh, it wasn't that long ago. It didn't get coverage, not a mention. Just stop and be grateful for a moment. Now given the platform men's sports and women's sports are given, it's obvious there have been many inequities related to funding. But for now, I want to highlight another aspect of the analysis. And while macro-level statistics are great, and they give you a holistic view of a number of things, it's important to understand that for every statistic, there's a lived experience and a human being with emotions. These athletes are people who have sacrificed and dedicated their lives to their craft, and in New Zealand at least, there is an expected level of infrastructure, organisational and government support, which wasn't necessarily the case at the Black Ferns' most recent tour of the USA. The quality, or lack thereof, of the facilities was discussed through tweets by Scotty Stevenson and then by Kimberly Downs, Eason Asiwa, and former Black Fern, Melody Robinson. TVNZ rugby reporter Scotty Stevenson uh, tweeted a storm about this, actually talking about the conditions over in San Diego, the playing field, barely fit for training on, uh, the changing rooms were basically a tent with a portaloo, uh, and BYO seats. For spectators, I mean, Mel, you're a former Black Fern. You know what that environment was like. How is it still this way in 2019? Um, And they brought their own sheets. Did you say that? No, I did not say that, nor did I know that. However, more recently, there is good news. 
Prime Minister Ardern and Sports and Rec Minister Grant Robertson launched a new strategy that champions gender equity for New Zealand women and girls in sports and rec. It has three clear strategies to get more women and girls leading, working, coaching and volunteering in sports and active rec at all levels. Now strategy is all well and good but it's good to see that the government has put money where their mouth is, investing an additional $10 million over three years from 2018 on 24 initiatives related to women and girls in sports. And one thing that really excites me about the strategy is the minimum requirement of 40% self-identified females and 40% self-identified males on sporting boards by 2021. And to me, 40% is a high enough threshold that will give agency to these women so they can actually make transformative changes that are required. As was said on the WISP podcast called Leadership, Leaning In and Quotas in Sport, it's a great episode, please, please, please check it out. Professor Tony Bruce, one of New Zealand's leading sports academics, discussed that chucking a couple of women on a sports board isn't good enough. There's been this sort of somewhat naive belief that if we just add women and stir, things will change. But we know that that doesn't work. Doesn't, it's not true. <laughs> no, it's not true. And it happens right across sport. It's sports media, sports organisations. We know that if the taken-for-granted assumptions, practices and things are designed for and by men, and if gender isn't really on the agenda, then women can enter in often, but they, don't, they tend not to stay long. So when it comes to coverage, it's clear to see that the government has realised their past indiscretions and are looking to make a change. Now summarising the key comments from Jodie, Teresa and Julie, we can see three main themes. A perception of a lack of excitement, quote-unquote, isn't exciting as the man's version, lack of exposure slash celebration of successes, and a lack of funding and support from parent organisations. As you can hopefully see, we're in a bit of a which came first, the chicken or the egg, a cyclical relationship. To change perceptions around the sport, there needs to be increased exposure of the sport, which often comes from success. And to achieve success at the highest level, you often need funding. The amount of money invested in the sport is often a key indicator for success. And funding will normally be given to sports that are seen as exciting or of increasing national interest. And that may come from success and so on and so forth. And that's what's so impressive. The Black Ferns have achieved immense success at the highest level without quality infrastructure and funding. And I touched on it before, but it's important to understand that beneath all of these numbers, all these statistics that keep me safe at night, are individual experiences. I was fortunate enough to talk to one of my friends who was actually representing New Zealand at the highest level in sport for 10 plus years. They've been to multiple Olympic games representing our country. And we discussed different experiences people have in sports. Looking at myself, whenever I wanted to play a sport, or join a club, there was always facilities, coaches, and multiple options in that regard. Even while I was playing, there were multiple pathways into refereeing, coaching. They treated it like a well-oiled machine and they really wanted us to continue and stay into the sport after we ended our playing days. Now talking to a few female friends in particular, who at the time wished to continue their athletic pursuits, either post high school or post university, they told me that they were so disenfranchised by the lack of opportunities and resources that they gave up their chosen sport, that they were so frustrated to the point where it seemed easier to give up their passion, something which they'd done for multiple years. And I just want to stress, that is something that I have never, ever faced when it's come to sport. I was honestly shook when they told me this. I had no idea that this was an experience that people had in sports. 
and because of how they felt because of their previous experience it meant that they'd be less likely to head into coaching or be on a board or donate to their local club and while i was given these opportunities during my spell as a burgeoning athlete the same unfortunately couldn't be said for my female friends and everything's related the negative experiences people have while playing manifest themselves later on in life where you could arguably have a greater impact on your sport through coaching, mentoring, and giving back. All of that knowledge and acumen you've accumulated over the years could be passed down to further generations of athletes. So while this funding for a few years is great, and I'm really happy to see it, if there aren't widespread systematic improvements, the cycle will continue. There needs to be overinvestment to make up for the lack of support that women's sports overall have received historically. Looking at rugby in particular, the men's game is far from perfect, but the structures in place in the men's game aren't present in the women's game. And you may be wondering, okay, Tabby, cool, I agree with all your points, what can we do? So in New Zealand, we're really fortunate where this year we have the Women's Rugby World Cup, next year we have the Women's Cricket World Cup, and the year after that we have the Women's Football World Cup. So in September this year, the Black Ferns will embark on a 28-day journey to try and retain their title as champions. Kai and myself are going to be there. Are you? <laughs>